Bible, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 3, and I'm going to read these first five verses just so you can kind of get a feel for what the rest of the chapter is like, just kind of get a feel for what's going on. Thank you, Kyle. I was about to just let him have the mic, just, just keep going, just <laughs> preach, make it easy on me. Nehemiah chapter 3, and we're going to, I'm not planning on preaching, planning on just teaching. Who knows what will happen, but uh, we'll see. Nehemiah 3, 1 through 5. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it. They set up the doors of it, even to the tower of Mia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and next to them builded Zakur, the son of Emri. But the fish gate did the sons of some name which starts with H build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, the bars thereof, and next to him repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Cause, and next to him repaired Meshulam, son of Berechiah, son of they got some good names. They got some great, great names. That guy, and next to him repaired Zadok, the son of Vianna, and next to him the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their neck to the work of the Lord. So if you haven't picked up the theme, it's just listing all these people who built and what they built, what section of the wall they built. And I know that this chapter, because the entire chapter is like this, can be a little dry, but if you look at it a little closer... There's a lot of ideas that we can pull from it. There's a lot of things we can learn from it. We're going to talk about that tonight. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord God, I pray to stir our hearts. Lord, help us to learn and receive everything you have for us tonight. And help us to grow in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm be talking about working well with others. Everybody look at your spouse or the person next to you and say, working well with others. Some, some, some people said it very strong. They looked at their spouse and said, working well with others. A little, little anger, a little, little tension there. It's going to be okay. So I read about a guy named Stefan Sigmund from Romania who had been trying for many years to get his name in the Guinness Book of World Records using a contraption that I don't suggest you use that looked like an air filter for a car. Sigmund managed to smoke 800 cigarettes at one time. Only later did he realize that Guinness doesn't recognize those types of accomplishments. Another time, he ate 29 hard-boiled eggs in four minutes. Once again, Guinness quit printing gluttony records many years ago. Then he also jumped into a lake from a 135-foot cliff, only to find out the record was 176 foot. People like to hear their name mentioned in a positive way. People like to hear what they've done well. I hope you like to hear what you've done well. It may, it may make you uncomfortable, but everybody at the end of the day, we like it. And our text today is a list of people who either accomplished something or 
the, the medal winners, the ones who did a good job or what they did, and also some people who didn't do anything. And so, first off, I would be bitter to know that 2,500 years later, people are reading the Bible to find out what I didn't do. So that's an important lesson right there. And there's also something interesting that Nehemiah didn't mention himself at all. The man that was over this thing, who was no doubt working, put his hand to the plow, was helping make this happen, no, no mention. And because it makes sense, because his character and his idea when it comes to building was, it's not about me, it's about somebody else. It's about other people. And so when you first read it, it looks kind of boring, but we're going we're gonna to take some principles from there. So a quick recap of the last couple weeks. So in 15, or not 15, 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army captured the Jews. Jerusalem was destroyed. The walls were knocked down. The temple was burned, and they were taken captive. And so here they were. They left, they left out of, they're in Syria, they're in Babylon. Jerusalem's left in ruins, but God didn't forget about them. So the King Cyrus made a decree to let some of the people go back. And in three stages over about 100 years, the Jews had gone back some of them, only to find that the city was still demolished, still broken down, and word had got back to Nehemiah that it was broken down, that things were in really bad shape, and it bothered him, it upset him that the city would be in this kind of shape. And so we learned that in chapter 1, he had a prayer, and he was concerned about the problem of Jerusalem's desolation, because he understood that Jerusalem being in the shape it was, was was a mark against God. It was the fact that a city needed walls to be protected. And if his city, his people weren't going to do it, that was, a, that was a mark against God. He had a conviction about God's character. He confessed his sins. He was confident about God's promises, and he was committed to get involved. So that was the first chapter. It was set up for going to the king and saying, hey, we need to do something about what's going on here. That This bothers me what I see is happening I need to build something. And it's not an accident we're doing this series as we're building. That what we've got to understand is there's a reason we're adding on is because we're building something. We looked around and we understood things can't stay the way they are. We have to do something about it. And so we took, we've taken this step and we're starting to build. Now, last week we talked about Nehemiah went back to, Jer to Jerusalem. He rode around the city. And there was five tools in his toolbox. He, was, he waited, which is not fun. Everybody say waiting. Then there was trusting, praying, you can say it, praying, planning, and testifying. Because all those things are important. You can't just go out and just do something on a whim. If we're going to do something for the kingdom, we need to do it right. We need to plan and prepare. And there was five tasks that he, that he, he accomplished, and there was he had to replenish the resources because the city was in a bad spot. The, the gates were torn down, so he had to get some wood from somewhere else, get some resources. Then he addressed the need. He spoke to everybody and said, hey, this is what's going on. Or He looked around and said, this is what's going on. Recruited workers, inspired confidence, and handled opposition. So there was a lot going on as he got ready to build. And now, finally, in chapter 3, they're starting to actually build. So there's two observations. The first thing is that Nehemiah's gift of administration and organization. Somehow or another, Nehemiah, in three days, he, he didn't, first of all, he didn't say anything for three days. 
and some of us would have failed right there. Let me just ride around the city and not talk for three days. And he goes, and in three days, he convinced these 44 groups of people that the way you've been living for the last hundred years isn't going to work anymore. We have to do something about this. And mobilize 44 groups of people to build the wall and work on this wall and build it back up. And this was because of his, his assessment. He took the time to really figure it out. And then also, what we're really going to key on tonight is when people work together, we can accomplish a lot more than if one person tried to do all the work. And it doesn't matter if it's in your home. It doesn't matter what the setting is. It doesn't matter what, what the, the context is. If we work together, we get more done. We can clap. It's good. I like it. I didn't write. I, I didn't write most of the stuff. So I might clap with y'all because I didn't write it. So when you read through the book, or through the third chapter of Nehemiah, you'll find the following phrases over and over again. It says, next to him, or next to them, or after him, or after them. 28 times. And the principle is this, is every person is to be involved in ministry because everybody has a job to do. We preach that at this church, we push that at this church. Get involved. Find a place to serve. Find a place to get involved because it matters. At the end of the day, what we're doing is important. Sometimes it's easy to get caught in the weeds of just the mechanics of, let me come and open a door for somebody when they, comes in, when they come in. Or let me walk up here, take up an offering. What we have to do is take a step back and realize what we're doing is bigger than just the action we're doing. It's bigger than just standing up here with a basket. It's bigger than just opening a door. It's bigger than just smiling at somebody. We're, we're building something. We're making something that matters that's going to last a long time. And if we're honest, it can be hard to find the right job sometimes. Some of you, you were born to greet. You, you, just, you were born for it. And you're doing that, and you're there. Some of you, you're, you're not. And you know it, but you're doing it because you want to do something for the kingdom. And if that's you, that's, I'm glad you're doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing something. Because at the end of the day, we just want to serve. We want to help. And if, if you feel like you're serving or even your secular job, you feel out of place. I read this job history of somebody. This guy, he said that my first job was working in an orange juice factory. But I got canned because I couldn't concentrate. <laughs> then I worked in the woods as a lumberjack. But I couldn't, I, I couldn't hack it, so they gave me the axe. After that, I tried to be a tailor, but I wasn't suited for it, mainly because it was a so-so job. Next, I tried to work in a muffler factory, but that was exhausting. He said, I wanted to be a barber, but I just couldn't cut it. I attempted to be a deli worker, but any way you slice it, I just couldn't cut the mustard. Studied a long time to become a doctor, but I didn't have any patience. Became a professional fisherman, but discovered that I couldn't live on my net income. I managed to do a, get a job working on, for a pool maintenance company, but the job was just draining. Next, I found that being an electrician was interesting, but the work was shocking. And after many years trying to find steady work, I finally got a job as a historian until I realized there's no future in it. Another man said, I like to work. It fascinates me. I can sit and watch somebody work for hours. Does anybody know somebody like that? It's funny because growing up, my brother somehow got the reputation of being the harder worker. And I distinctly remember that every time my dad would walk away, my brother would just sit down and watch me work. And I knew that my dad would never believe me 
that he wasn't working, that it was just me working, so I had to work extra hard to make up for it. Everybody knows somebody like that. But when it comes to the work of the Lord, there is no place to just sit back and watch somebody else. It's tempting. It really is. But there, there's no such thing as watching the award ceremony when it comes to the kingdom. Because once again, what we're doing matters. It's important. And as we're going to see in the chapter, the wall workers accomplished an incredible task. And in the process, they broke a world record for teamwork. So the first thing is the purpose of the work. Nehemiah was able to build his team around this one central rallying point that we have to build this wall because the whole purpose was the glory of God. That Jerusalem represents the glory of God, that we're doing this not for ourselves, not so we can be noticed, not so people can remember our work, but we're doing this for the glory of God. We're doing this because it matters to the kingdom of God. They weren't just working on walls, they were worshiping God as they built the walls. And we have to understand, when you come to church, if you're opening the door, you're not just opening the door. You're worshiping the Lord. If you're sitting, wiping snot off a kid in a Sunday school class, you're not just doing something that's menial that other people don't want to do. You're serving and worshiping the Lord. Everything you do to build the kingdom matters. It doesn't matter how small it seems. There's a purpose behind it. There's a reason for it. And it's worth it. The workers... They were bummed out about the conditions of the city. They were disgraced. They realized that, you know what, Nehemiah, you're right. We shouldn't have let it get like this. We should have addressed this a long time ago. And it was difficult for them to sing about the truth of Psalm 48 and 2 that says it describes Jerusalem as beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. And they longed for God's city to regain its splendor and to get its credit back for what it truly was. And... As I said, the purpose for all ministry and life itself is the glory of God. The thing we have to understand, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says it well. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything we do. See, it's really easy to put our life with God in a box and say, that's just what we do on Sunday. That's what we do at work. God never intended for us to compartmentalize. And men, we're bad about this. We compartmentalize everything. That's why the world can be falling apart and we can go to sleep and be okay. Because we put that in a box and we put it on the shelf and we'll deal with it tomorrow. But we have to understand, we can't do that when it comes to our walk with God. We're not just coming to church and doing something and then going home. When you go on your job tomorrow, you're doing it for the glory of God. When you walk in your school, you're doing it for the glory of God. When you go shopping, you're doing it for the glory of God. Everything you do, everywhere you go, you're representing something bigger than yourself. You're building something. And so, when we stepped out to extend this building, we, we had the vision that we wouldn't do something. But we realized that uh, we, we did something so big that unless God was in it, it would fail. And what, what we have to do is let our faith, the things that we do, let it challenge God. God God's not afraid of a challenge. God's not afraid of your challenge. If you decide you're going to step out and do something for the kingdom, God is honored. When you, when you trust him with your faith. When you step out, God is honored when you put him to the test with your faith. So let's look at verse 1. It says, Eliashib, the high priest, and his high, fellow high priest went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place. See, it's no accident that they started with the sheep gate. It's another way of saying, we understand sheep, sacrifice. It, it was another way of saying they put God first. They started with the sheep gate. That was the gate where 
They brought in the lambs for the sacrifice was through the sheep gate. So it was important. It was a very critical gate to have working. So they made sure that the first thing we're going to do is get our sacrifice right. The first thing we're going to do is make sure that we have our, our, we're dedicated, we got our focus right. The first thing is committing ourselves to the sacrifice. See, we have to make sure, and, we, and the thing is, you don't do this once, we have to do this every day, is check ourselves. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? We, we, I, know, I know as a musician and singer, we, we get up here and sometimes we go through the motions and we have to get to a place every day I have to check myself. Why am I here? What am I doing? I'm not just going through the motions, but I'm here. I'm starting with the sheep gate. I'm making sure that God is first in my life and I'm doing this for the kingdom. It's critical that we get this right, because if not, we're just working for no reason. We're just, we're opening doors for no reason. We're taking up an offering for no reason. We're doing something for no reason if God isn't first. If it doesn't start with the presence of God. See, God's not, you're not doing this to impress God. I mean, God spoke everything in six days. I promise, you may be the best door opener on earth. God's not impressed. I mean, you may be amazing at it. Like, people may stop and take pictures and videos of you opening a door because you're that good at it. But God's not impressed by your ability. God can do a lot more than that. He wants your heart. What God really wants at the end of the day, he wants you to serve. He wants you to work, but he wants your heart first off. And so that's why worship always has to precede work. Before we do something for the kingdom, let's, let's work. Let's worship. And so the question is, are you sold out? To the kingdom of God. I know we're talking about serving. We're talking about doing things, building. But are you sold out? Because it has to start there. Is your heart on the things that God wants? And if not, let's focus on that. Let's set our attention there and say, you know what? Tonight I'm going to make a decision that from here on out, my focus is on doing the things of God. Doing it for God. Then there's the people in the work. See, the ratings for the Olympic Games are always notoriously low. And the reason why is first of all, they won't have them in America for whatever reason. Bunch of jerks. But also, because they're not in America, there's always a delay. So especially now, you can go online and you can find out who won the race immediately. And so when you're watching it, it's on a delay. You're watching it. If you want to watch it, you're watching it eight hours later. Everybody knows what happens. It's like watching a movie that you've already watched with somebody that's, that hasn't watched it. And you tell them everything because you've already seen it. And, and if you want to, if you've read the book of Nehemiah that Brother Michael told you to read last week, you'll find out the wall was built in 52 days. 50, 52 days they built this thing. It's incredible just to think about with the tools and the circumstances they built in 52 days. But the reason why is because they worked together. The reason they did it so fast and so well is because they weren't doing it by themselves. So there's six principles that we want to talk about that would help us work well with others. The first thing is leaders must set the example. And if your first thought when I said leader was look at the platform, you're missing it. Leaders, you're the leader in your home. If you're, if you're a leader in your if you've got kids watching you, you're a leader. If you've got people, anybody, anywhere watching you, you're a leader. And so what we have to do as a leader, whatever the context is, we have to set the example. In verse 1, we talked about it. If there was anybody that should have been busy because they understood this was for the glory of God, it was the priests. 
the, the priests, because they're the ones that are most holy. They understood God's reputation was at stake. And so, even though they were consecrated, they were holy, they did, they were, see, they wore these garments that, that they, had gar, they had gold, blue, purple, and scarlet. They wore this everywhere they went. They had this thing with this, this breastplate with 12 precious stones, and it was made out of gold. And had the names of all 12 tribes of Israel. And they wore this everywhere they went. On his head he wore a turban with the phrase, Holy to the Lord, engraved on a diadem of pure gold. And here we go, these guys, this guy dressed to the nines. I mean, don't dress like that now, it'd be kind of weird. But it'd be like somebody coming in a tux. Better than a golden tux. And he's in there building just like everybody else. He's in there removing rubble just like everybody else. He's getting stuff out of the way. He's getting his hands dirty. He's getting tired. He's sweating just like everybody else because he understood that, yeah, I can expect everybody else to do it, but this is important to me, so I've got to do it myself. And what we have to understand as a leader in whatever context, mom or dad, your kids are watching you. They're watching your worship. They're watching the way you serve. They're watching what you do with the kingdom of God. And if you're just sitting back watching everybody else, guess what your kids are going to do? They need to see you get involved. People need to see you giving and working. I talked to the ministers about it several times before. At the end of the day, your credibility matters. If, if, you, if you're always skipping out on the work, or you're always disappearing when things need to be done, people don't want to hear what you have to say. And so if... I'm getting off my notes. i got to stop. But I got too many notes to get off. But we got to make sure that we maintain our credibility. So your witness matters. When you walk out of these doors and you go to your job, if you're losing your temper on everybody, you're not carrying things very well. We got to work on that. We got to make sure we're representing God. We'll make sure we're getting involved in the work. I don't want to get to the place as a leader that I just sit back and watch people. I don't think I could. I think if I did, Billy Hudson would pop up my shoulder. And slap me upside the head. But we have to make sure we're, we're getting involved. And so Eliashap, he was the high calling. He, he was the guy who should have been getting in there. But later we find that he partnered with the enemy. And Nehemiah 13, 4 through 9 says, Now before this, Eliashab, the priest who was appointed over the chambers of the house of God, who was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber. This guy who was working against the, the building of the, the wall, he made this big spread and this made a room for him in the temple. Made space for him and put, him, put all this, this grain offering, frankincense, vessels, all these things. And it happened while, he, while Nehemiah had to go back for a little bit. And verse 7 says, and, I, and after some time he came back and said, and came to Jerusalem and I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was very angry. And I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. I would pay money to watch this happen. Then I gave orders and they cleansed the chambers. And I brought back there the vessels of the house of God and the grain offering and the frankincense. Eliashaph, who should have been front and center working and making things happen, was too busy talking to every. He was too busy talking to the enemy, getting comfortable with the enemy. So as soon as Nehemiah left, he moved the enemy in. We have to make sure we're working. If we'll focus on working and building. We won't have time to, to work against what God is trying to do. If we'll focus on what matters, we won't get caught up in the, the side shows and the side things. And it's, it serves as a good reminder. It, it's not just important how we begin this thing. It's important how we end this thing. 
See, it's easy because we've had a lot of setbacks in this building to get frustrated and say, well, is it ever going to happen? We've got to make sure we end this strong. We've got to make sure we end with the same faith we started with. Then there's the concept that God uses all kinds of people. Nehemiah 3 and 8. This is one of my favorite verses in the chapter. It says, Uziel, son of, other than the names, Hariah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs to the, next to that, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. See, God didn't gather a bunch of masons and people who knew how to build a wall to, to, to do this thing. No, he used ordinary people who were willing to get their hands dirty. He found ordinary people with different backgrounds, different trades, different experiences, different lives, and brought them together. And he even found people who lived 10, 15 miles away to bring them together to do this thing. See, sometimes the kingdom work puts us outside our comfort zone. You might be the best goldsmith on earth, but we don't really need that. We need you to open a door. We need you to serve. And sometimes you say, well, I'm not comfortable doing that. If you'll just get involved, if you'll just build, if you'll put your hand to what God is doing, God will bless what you're doing. See, God likes to use us in places that make us uncomfortable because that's how we grow. We don't grow in comfortable places. We don't grow when everything's great. We don't push our faith when everything's fine. Our faith gets pushed when things fall apart. And it's the same thing with our our talents and our gifts that God has given us. They grow when they're pushed, when when they're stretched. So we work to grow the kingdom. But while we're working to grow the kingdom, the kingdom is growing us. We have to understand God, God hasn't... This relationship that we have isn't we're just a bunch of slaves to the kingdom. No, God is working on us while we're working with God. God is partnering with us, and God is building us and developing things in us so that as you get involved, in five years, you'll look back and say, man, I've come a long way in ways that I didn't even know I was building. I didn't know I was growing in that way. Some of you didn't even like people. Now you love people. Now you've been greeting. And the thing is, if you'll make yourself available, God will grow you. God will develop you. See, there was a place for everyone and a job for everyone to do. We understand that God has gifted everybody with certain gifts and talents. And we can understand, God can use your gifts and your talents. It doesn't matter what they are. God wants to take what what he's given you and use it for his glory. And as we use our gifts, we'll be fulfilled. The church will be fulfilled. So... They're one of the key words in this chapter is section. It's used 13 times. They divided the wall into different sections. And all these people were working on their section. They were assigned, this is your section, you build this section. You do it the best you can. And the, the, the thought process is we can't just put everybody building everything together. We need to spread this out a little bit. And you need to put this section and you work on this thing and you give it everything you have. One thing we can't do is we can't look and say, man, I really wish I was working on that section over there. We can't get so caught up in saying, man, I really wish I was working on the gate instead of a wall. And God's saying, I don't need you working on the gate. I need you working on the wall. Understand that what you're doing, while it might not feel significant, it is significant. It is making a difference in the kingdom. So just embrace what God is allowing you to do. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We're not all the same. Thank God we're not all the same. 
I would drive me crazy. We don't need a bunch of me running around. And the thing is, I don't have to be the best. I just have to be available. At, this isn't a talent show. The, the kingdom of God is not a talent show. It, I'm getting ahead of myself. But it's not a talent show. We're here for something bigger than ourselves, and we have to keep our focus on what matters. And having said that, while there is a place for everyone, just like in Nehemiah, there's a job for everyone, but there's going to be some people who do nothing. My brother. See, most people worked, but some people shirked their responsibility. And Nehemiah 3 and 5 says the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Tekoa was a town about 11 miles away from Jerusalem. So they, they were a little disconnected from Jerusalem. And while some of the people committed, the nobles decided, well, it's 11 miles away. Do I really need to be there? Is it really that important? And they, got to de- they decided... They were too proud to submit themselves to the supervisors on the job because they were nobles. They wanted to be in charge. They were too important to get their hands dirty. I got quiet on that. The phrase, would not put their shoulders to work, suggests that it was pride more than anything else that kept them from pitching in. Nehemiah used agricultural imagery to, decide, to describe stiff-necked ox who refused to be yoked. We have to make sure we get to the place. It's not about me. Jeremiah 48 and 10. It's a rebuke of those who just sit back. It says, a curse on anyone who is lax in doing the Lord's work. Curse on anyone who keeps their sword from bloodshed. He said there's a, there was an Old Testament curse on those who just sat back and didn't want to give it their all to the kingdom of God. Didn't want to get their hands dirty. Didn't want to involve themselves. And I can talk a long time about this, and I added this part because I I care about this a lot, is pride is something that bothers me. It's something that God checks me about a lot. And I can look back a lot of times where I didn't think I was being arrogant, but apparently God did and took care of that for me. (laughs) And so the same pride that said I'm too important to do that was eventually going to turn into look at me. See, the original sin, yeah, Adam and Eve in the garden, but before that, the the real original sin was Lucifer was kicked out of heaven because of pride. He said, I'm going to ascend to the throne of God. I'm going to put myself equal with God because I deserve to be up there in this place that I haven't made. And he wanted to be equal. Now, if you look at creation, we find that God created, he, he said, let there be light, and then he separated the light from the darkness. Then he said that he made the waters and he separated the the firmament, the atmosphere from the waters below. And then the Bible says he separated the waters and brought dry land. Lucifer, his pride made him elevate himself. And he said, I'm going to be like God. But once he tried to elevate himself, he realized that he couldn't create anything. So the next best way was to try to separate things. He realized, I don't have the ability to create, but if I want to be like God by dividing And what happens in the church, if we're not careful, if we get caught up in ourselves and we start trying to divide, we're not working for God when we divide. We may dress it up as concern. We may dress it up however we may dress it up. But at the end of the day, if we're dividing the kingdom, we're aligning ourselves with hell. And we have to be careful that always put our pride in check. Because what happens is Lucifer separated a third of the angels because he decided he was somebody special. See, the same pride that says I'm too important to build somebody else's vision will eventually lead you to divide something you didn't build. 
And the same pride that causes you not to put your hand to the vision will lead you to try to divide that vision. We have to understand, especially in a time like this, if there's going to be, it's going to be a little chaotic around here for a few weeks. Just, just a heads up. It's going to be a little, a little crazy. But during that time, two things can happen. That chaos can bring us together as we rally around the vision. Or if we're not careful, if pride gets in there, chaos can bring division. And what we have to do during this time, as we're building, we have to remember this isn't about me. This isn't, this isn't the Williams show. This isn't about me being seen. This is about the vision. This is about the kingdom. This is bigger than me. So I have to make sure that see, your greatest tool in building is humility. It's not your talents. It's not your ability. It's your ability to say it's not about me. It's, it's your ability. See, humility makes you available to serve where you're needed and not just where you get seen. Humility makes you available to do whatever is necessary and not just wherever you get attention. And while we can understand that every, serving is a privilege and not a job, we can start looking for opportunities to serve. When we get to the place, we realize, you know what? I'm not here because I'm special. I'm here because God allowed this opportunity. Then all of a sudden, we can change our perspective and we can say, hey, you know what? I don't have to be in the front. Just wherever you need me at. I don't have to be seen. Just, just wherever you need me, I'll serve. That's why I love Brother Scotty. He don't, he don't have to be seen. He, he hates that I'm doing this right now. That he doesn't have to be seen. He doesn't have to be noticed. Hey, just whatever y'all need me to do. I don't know if Mason Anthony's in here. I haven't been youth pastor for almost a year now, and he still asks me, hey, you need me to do anything? I love it. Because he just wants to serve. Wants to do, there he is. They're all together. They're drawn together. But just something about somebody who just wants to serve, who doesn't want to be seen, who doesn't want to be noticed, makes things a whole lot easier. And see, some of the happiest Christians I know are the ones serving in their area of giftedness, but not on a stage, not on a platform, not being seen. I'll get off of that. I ain't got time. So in every church or in every project, there's going to be some that do more work. There's going to be some that are slack. But there's going to be some that take up extra work. Remember those men from Tekoa that the, the, the nobles didn't want to help out at all. But if we read verse 27, it says, Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. <laughs> Refusing to follow the bad example of their leaders, they said, Hey, you know what? They're not going to do anything, but I'm going to go above and beyond. We'll do our part, and then I'll do another part. I'll do even more than is expected of me. See, what we have to do as leaders, whether it's at home or anywhere, we can just do the bare minimum, and we can check it off the list and say, see, I did something. Or we can go with the mindset of a servant to say, hey, how can I serve even more? How can I give more to the kingdom? How can I give more to build my home around Christ? How can I do more to, to, to lift up God and glorify God with my life? And there's, there's several people that I won't go through that there, there were so many people, they finished one section and they took up another section. And they finished their part and they, grew up, they took up another part because there, there was one that they finished their part. Then they took up the part next to, in front of their neighbor's house because they wanted to help their neighbor. And they didn't, you see the thing is, they didn't know what Nehemiah was writing here. They didn't do this because Nehemiah was going to write it down so everybody could see it. They were doing it Nehemiah was writing on his own. See, when we, kingdom work is, is never finished, hence the building that's never finished. Kingdom work is never finished. We're never going to find an end to it. There's always going to be something to do in the kingdom. And when you finish one job, we need to get in our mind, you know what, I can't just sit back and say, you know what, I did my thing. 
Maybe, here, here's a thought. Maybe when you leave church, when you're walking in the parking lot, instead of passing the paper that's on the ground saying, hey, you know what, I know I did my job, but let me build the kingdom a little more. Let me give a little more to the kingdom. I know nobody's going to see me do this. Nobody's going to talk about it. But let me just give a little more to the kingdom because I'm building something that matters. I don't know why I'm getting off on all that stuff. Way away from what I'm talking about. Then there's some that work with passion. Verse 20 says that next to him, Baruch, the son of Zabiah, zealously, I can't say that word, repaired another section. From the angle to the entrance of the house of the Eliashab to the high priest. That word zealously means to burn or glow. Saying that he was burning a lot of energy. He was on fire. He was, he was on fire. He was working so hard. See, verse 6 said that the people worked with all their heart. So everybody was working hard, but he's the only one that said, man, this guy's working even harder than everybody else. He was passionate. The thing about Baruch is... He didn't know that Nehemiah was going to write that. He didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't work a little harder when Nehemiah came around. He just built, he was building something. He was doing something that matters, and he got excited about it, got passionate about it. What, what God is calling us as we build the kingdom, as we build the things of God, let's get excited about it. You're doing something that matters. What you're doing, it, it is building something. So, so it, there's nothing wrong with getting a little fired up. If you rip the door off the hinges, that's fine. We'll fix it. I want you to get that excited. Pastor ain't here to, to, to stop that, so <laughs> just saying. See, there's no record that he, he was trying to get some title or trying to get noticed. He just did it because it mattered. He did it because when you go home, when you're praying with your kids, do it like it matters. When, when, you're, when you're spending time, when you go to your job tomorrow and you have an opportunity to get mad, don't do it because it matters. And he was driven because the mission resonated. And the thing is, maybe the only person that's going to see you work that hard is your wife or your kids when you go home. Maybe the only one that's going to know you did all those things. Maybe you're going to come up here on a Saturday and nobody's going to know what you did except your wife or your kids. Then it matters because the reward that you're, your reward is not in heaven, not in recognition. Your reward is not in being seen. It's in heaven. You're building something. I got to finish. Brother Jeremy, by the time you're preaching up here. So, and another thing is Baruch didn't look down on everybody else for not working as hard as him. Just keep that in the back of your mind. We can't look down on everybody else for not doing what we do. Just trust that they're doing the best they can. Give them the benefit of a doubt. Don't talk bad about them. Don't run them in the ground. Say, you know what? They're doing the best they can. Let me just pray for them. Maybe they got something going on I don't know about. Maybe I can go give them a hand and help them. But let's just make sure we build each other up. And some people work as families. The final principle is that some people work, it just talked about the men of these people, or these people work together. But some people, at least six different groups, was people who got together as a family and worked on the section nearest to their house. And if we did this in our communities, and we decided, you know what, I'm going to build the section closest to my house. I'm going to build the kingdom in my community. I'm going to build the kingdom in my neighborhood. See, we need to look at our neighbors as a mission field. We need to look at our neighbors as somebody we can befriend, somebody we can serve, somebody we can pray for. And I want to challenge you, find a neighbor and, and find a way to serve that neighbor. Be a light. Build something. Well, I know we, build, we do a lot of focus here at the church, but build something in your community. Build something outside of these walls. 
And as you do this, Pastor talked about it Sunday. Windows. Pray for windows. Pray for opportunities to see out an opportunity to serve somebody else and build something bigger. And so as a church, as we do this thing, as we work on impacting our community, impacting our state, the people around us, let's make sure we don't forget about the house. Don't forget about building your home. Don't forget about building what's closest to you. Because I've seen a lot of people who spent a lot of time building the church but neglected their home. And their kids are lost because they neglected what was the most important. So we've got to make sure we're building what matters. The musician can come. I'm landing this thing almost perfect. I'm late. A couple minutes late, but we'll be all right. So if God's work is going to get done, if we're going to build this thing, if we're going to build the kingdom of God, if we're going to build something that's actually going to last and something's going to matter, then we've got to make sure we cooperate with each other. We work with each other. We work alongside. We're partners. We're not in competition with one another. And we surely can't criticize one another and expect to get what God wants to have. Go ahead and stand to your feet. And we have to understand that at the end of the day, everything we're doing, all the work that we're putting in, all the time, all the energy, all the effort, all the times you've served and nobody knew about it, it's about the glory of God. It's bigger. It's bigger than me. And I have to understand that as a leader, i got to set the pace. And i got to understand that God's going to use people who don't have the same gifts and talents as me. God's going to use people that don't have the same personality as me. He's going to use people that if I'm not careful, I'm going to butt heads with. So i got to make sure I crucify my flesh every day because the kingdom is bigger than me. Some people aren't going to work, but we're not going to look down on them. Some people are going to do more work. Some people are going to work with passion. Some people are going to work as families. One of the fascinating things about geese is they normally fly in a, in a V formation. And if you notice, when you look, one side's a little longer than the other side. And the reason why is because there's more geese on that side. But, but they cover thousands of miles before reaching their destination, and they can only get there if they work together. One, geese isn't, one goose isn't going to make it by himself. And some facts about their flight pattern is by flying as they do, they create an upward air current for one another. And they get 71% greater flying range than if each one was fly by himself. Because of the way they fly, when one goose gets sick or is wounded, two more will fall out of formation alongside them and follow them down and protect them. They don't just let them go. They don't leave them behind, but some drop off and stay with them. And they'll just catch the next V that's coming through. Stay with them until they make it. Then the geese at the rear of the formation are the ones that are actually doing the honking, the ones in the back. And they're there. It's their way of announcing that, hey, I'm still following and everything's going well. It's their way of encouraging, saying, we're going to make it. You do you. You, you do your thing. I'll sit back. I don't have to be in the front, but you got this. You're going to make it. And what we have to do as a church is we see those people at the front. We see somebody working and somebody giving it their all. We can't criticize them, but we got to get in the back of the formation and say, I don't have to be seen, but you got this. You're going to make it. You're going to do this. You're going to make a difference. You're going to make it. We're building something that's going to matter. And above all this, it's the natural instinct of the geese to work together. Nobody has to teach them how. They just do it. They just naturally work together. And in the kingdom of God, if we're going to be the kingdom of God, working together has to be our instinct. Has to be the natural thing that we fall back to. 
like runners or swimmers in an Olympic relay team, everyone has to do their part if we want to win the medal. Whether it's flapping, helping, honking, we've all got to work together. And so what we have to do in this season, while we're building, while we're making something happen, let's work together. Let's build this thing. Let's build something that's going to make it. It's going to be here for your children, for your grandchildren. It's going to be here for people, for generations to come. Let's build it like it matters. I don't have to be seen. Don't have to be noticed, but let's build it like it's important. We're going down.